to me, all the criticism of President Biden when he was in Europe didn't amount to much. He didn't hurt the country over there. The uh, G7 leaders seemed to like him. Putin doesn't like anybody, but it didn't really matter because, and I'll explain why in a moment, but he sat there with Putin and okay, fine. So the people who were bringing Biden down and and criticizing him, to me, it was small ball. It didn't matter. He didn't screw up. He yelled at a CNN reporter. Good. (laughs) You know, I, I don't care. And it didn't affect you, which is most important to me. All right, his European trip had no bearing on your life whatsoever. But what he's doing back here does. So there is a new strategy in place, and it was on display in Europe. Both Biden and Putin showed it to us. All right. The new strategy is to deny everything. No matter what the evidence is, you say it didn't happen, it isn't happening, it's not bad, whatever it may be. Now, in Russia, Putin can do that all day long because the press does what it's told. All right. So it's a totalitarian country. Putin calls the shots. If you try to run against Putin, you get arrested or poisoned. Even if you date Putin, you're in trouble, you know, for you Russian ladies who may not know that. You don't want to be messing around with Putin. He is a killer. And I was the first one who pointed that out to President Trump in the first interview after his inauguration. You'll remember that Putin is a killer. But if you say to him, hey, Vlad, maybe it's not good that you kill so many people. You go, I don't kill anybody. Where's the evidence? Well, there is no evidence because nobody investigates it in Russia. Okay? So Biden doing the same thing. He's not a killer. But no matter what the problem is, it's not a problem. Somebody told me the other day, uh, and there was a problem that I was dealing with. They go, no problem. I said, yeah, there's a problem. I don't want to hear no problem. There is a problem, and it's got to be solved, and we solved it. But no problem is a cliche, and it's all over the place. So let me give you two sound bites, one from Putin, one from Biden, about the new strategy. And by the way, the reason that, that Biden can get away with this is because the press in America simply doesn't want to make him look bad. So in Russia, you can't criticize Putin or you'll get in trouble big time. But here, the press sympathizes with Biden, so they're not going to challenge him. Okay, let's go to Vlad first, Geneva, June 16th. Go. So, yes, the United States have concerns, but they are completely baseless. I mean, this, uh, these concerns about the militarization are baseless. We are not doing anything new. We are simply restoring the infrastructure that has already been there. <laughs> right. Now, don't worry about troops on the Ukrainian border. Don't worry about Crimea, where Russian troops actually went there and took over the country. Baseless. No, it didn't happen. Even though it did happen, Putin says it didn't happen. That's what he's going to do all day long. Everybody understand? Okay. Here's Joe Biden, June 4th, at a press conference. Go. In fact, the U.S. is the only major economy where projections of future growth are stronger today than they were before the pandemic hit in 2020. And in May, manufacturing activity was nearly as strong as it was in more than 15 years. Stronger than in 15 years. Can't back that up. 
There are no stats that say that. I mean, I shouldn't say that. There may be stats that he found from someplace, but the supply uh, chain in this country, as everybody knows, is falling apart. So maybe they're making stuff somewhere, but they can't get it to us. How many times have you gone out and you couldn't get what you want to get? I'm working on 15 or 20 times. I I don't know. I I told you last week, I had a a brand new barbecue thing. We couldn't get this part. I I can't get it. I don't know. I don't know where it is. It's not that a factory won't send it. I mean, it's by no, 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 no. The economy's rolling, booming, boom, 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 boom. South border, Mexican border. Is there a problem down there, Joe? No, no problem. 200,000 migrants a month are now encountering U.S. border officials. 200,000 a month. That's not a problem. I put Kamala on it. She'll solve it. This is what's happening. All right? So it's no longer politicians are being held to account. I have to explain. They don't have to explain. Putin never explains. Biden never explains. We didn't, it's not happening. It's baseless. And there's a press. Yeah, I, I, okay. Unbelievable. Okay. Um, and one of the reasons that the American people haven't risen up in protest of this unbelievable con is because of this. Because people don't pay attention. They're too busy texting. I said well, on, my, on my vacation in the mountains, it was hard to get signals. But everybody had this. Everybody. And when you talk to people these days, you all heard the cliche in one ear, out the other. It doesn't even go in one ear anymore. It's uh uh-huh, uh-huh, what, what, uh-huh. Unless they're staring at it, they can't hear it. They can't process verbal cues any longer. So uh, these politicians can say whatever the deuce they want to say. And people don't even hear it. Okay. I don't want to overdo this, but it's absolutely happening. Nobody else is going to tell you about it. Now, the economy eventually can, and I believe will, sink the entire Biden administration. Okay? Because things are bad. Now, here are the stats in stone, which is why I always say pad and pen when you listen to the No Spin News. All items, all right, in the United States have increased 5% in price on average, everything, since Biden was elected. Energy is up 30%. Energy costs up 30%. This is six months, okay? Um, Since January, Biden's election, motorists are paying 37% more to fill up their tank. That's a lot. That's money right out of your pocket, okay? Uh, A basket of agricultural goods. A basket, because this is how they do their uh, calculations, up in price 40% year to year. Okay, so that's your celery, that's your carrots, that's, yeah, and I'm sure fruit is the same situation. So everything is up, 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 up. Wholesale prices up 7% of everything. Okay, and then we have the worst inflation numbers in. 30 years. And I'm going to explain that what that means in a moment. This isn't boring. This is, don't go to your machine right now. This, is, this goes right into your home, right into your wallet, all of this. 
So even the Washington Post, perhaps even more liberal than the New York Times, it's close, all right? They're on the, econ the uh, economy story, okay? Put it on a full screen. This is one uh, article uh, that came out um, by Heather Long yesterday, yesterday. Quote, in late February 2020, that was Trump, the unemployment rate was 3.5%. Inflation was tame. Wages were rising, and American companies were attempting to recover from a multi-year trade war. The pandemic disrupted everything. That is a true statement from the Washington Post. All right, next full screen, please. Then there is inflation, which hit a 13 high in May and is widely viewed as the biggest risk that could sink or at least stall the economic recovery. Although the Fed predicts this will be a short-lived phenomenon, Businesses and consumers are already changing some behaviors. Many companies are shrinking the size of how many paper towels are in a package or how much cat food is in a can and still charging the same amount. Home builders are refusing to guarantee prices for fear material costs will jump further. Investors are suddenly reviving interest in Treasury inflation protected securities, unquote. So the Washington Post knows that things are heading south for the Biden administration. Okay, and I believe that will sink it. So for all of you who are despairing now, politically despairing, hang on. I'm not wishing ill for the economy, by the way. You know, some people say, well, it's better the economy tanks. Get rid of Biden and the progressives. That's not what I do. All right. I report what's actually happening. I'm not wishing for anything. I don't like the way Joe Biden is governing the country. I think he's incompetent, befuddled, and perhaps mentally deficient. Can't, I can't say one way or the other on that, so I throw perhaps in. That's what I believe he is. I don't think he's going to govern any better a year from now. Okay? But we have a midterm election. It's coming up. We don't have a strong Republican Party, obviously. Maybe they'll get better, but who knows? Now, inflation. What exactly is inflation? What is it? Let's bring in Kristen Tate. She's a columnist for The Hill, specializing in economics. Very smart lady. She comes to us from Houston. What is inflation? Explain it so even I can understand it, Kristen. Well, inflation occurs when there's just too much cash out there chasing a very limited supply of goods. Think about it, Bill. If you have something of value like a dollar and then the government comes along and just creates trillions more of those out of thin air, what does that do? It, it devalues that thing. It devalues your dollar. Now, when Biden came into office, he immediately spent $1.9 trillion. He now wants to spend nearly $4 trillion more on a misleadingly named infrastructure package plus new social spending. And when I say spend, I mean he wants to just create money out of thin air using the Federal Reserve. You no, cannot let me just stop, let me stop you print. There. So the Treasury Department sure. prints money at the behest of what they call the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve says we need to get this amount of money in circulation so that we can spend it, we being the federal government, on building highways or sending checks to people who got hosed during COVID, whatever it may be. So the Treasury Department is cranking these dollars out, all right? Real Correct. paper money, not theoretical dollars, real dollars. And then those dollars go to banks, right? They go to banks. Is that correct? 
That's correct. I mean, it's a very simple concept. If the federal government just printed a ton of money and made everyone in the U.S. a millionaire, what do you think would happen? Consumer prices would skyrocket. Now, of course, that's a drastic example, but what's happening now is that on a much smaller scale. The government cannot just print and spend trillions of dollars every month without any consequences. Eventually, the whole house of cards collapses, okay. and we're already seeing real inflation happen. You went right. through those so consumer prices prices at the beginning of your segment. Right. As we just proved, prices are going up, but yes. salaries aren't going up to match that. So while the government can spend as much as it want, you, Chris and Tate and me, Bill O'Reilly, we can't print money. We have to rely on the money right. that we earn or someone gives us. All right. So, I mean, every time I go to the gas station, I'm paying 40 percent more than I paid last year to fill up my tank. And now it's going to even be more because they want to tax gas and all, all that business. So that means that people have less money, correct? They that's, have less that's money. That's exactly right. And we right. might even see stagflation, which is even worse than inflation because it means inflation occurs with no economic growth. And I really want to underline an important point that you made earlier, which is that inflation really hurts the working class and poor people the most, right? Because these are folks who still have to go to the grocery store and buy groceries. They still have to fill their cars up with gas. And all of these little costs really add up to people like that who are not seeing uh, you know, their wages increase at all. But also, in addition to the federal government, the government paying people to stay home is adding to this problem, Bill, because productivity in this country work, is right. way But that's going to end. See, it's, that'll end soon. Um, and then people will not look. if the government, not if the not if the Democrats have their way. I don't but know. But they're not going to have their way. Democrats they're, are pushing for a UBI now. They want this to be the new normal, and they no, use I the pandemic as an excuse. But they're not going to get it, and and they're not going to get the infrastructure. Uh, two trillion on that, they'll get half. But that doesn't help everybody because the prices that are in play now are going to stay there or go higher. All right, at least for another two years, they're going to stay where they are, go higher. So while the Republican Party may be able to tamp down the chaos, they're not going to be able to tamp down the gas prices or the food prices. They're going to remain. And therefore, people will start to suffer. When people start to suffer economically, when they look at their wallet and there's not the money there used to be in it, then they'll get mad and they'll vote out Biden. That's what's probably going to happen. It's not a lock, but it's probably going to happen. Now, I'm going to appoint you, Kristen Tate, the top economic advisor to Joe Biden, okay? because he doesn't know anything about macroeconomics, and he's taken his advice from far-left economists. You're not a far-left economist. What would you tell the president to do to stop the economic madness? Well, the first thing we need to do is stop the government spending. We need to let the economy drive economic growth, not the federal government. So stop the spending and get Americans back to work. There's absolutely no reason that we need to be paying people to sit at home, especially when there are so many companies and, and small businesses in particular who are trying to hire people. My stepmother owns some small restaurants up in the Boston area, and she can't get people to work in her restaurant, Bill, because her employees make more money money sitting on the couch at home. So the first thing Biden needs to do is get Americans back to work by stopping these checks so that people, you know, 
create productivity in our economy, that'll be a big first step. And then stop spending on these big packages like infrastructure, uh, which is very misleadingly named. You know, this big infrastructure bill that the Democrats want to pass, much of that has nothing to do with roads and bridges and, and highways. Okay, so but you and I know that Biden ran on, he ran on giving people stuff. So yes. if you stop giving people stuff, they're not going to like you. So it's a basic the fight is among the folks. The folks are going to get angry because their self-worth is going down, whereas on the other side, those folks are going to continue to demand money and stuff. They want it. Guaranteed income, whatever it may be. And yeah. Biden will cave to them. That's what he will do. Last word. Well, the Democrats, all of their solutions are absolutely terrible for this country. And they've realized the only way they can continue getting votes is by promising to give people free stuff. That is why you're seeing a big push for UBI on the left. But here's the thing, Bill. Smart people in this country will find ways out of the U.S. dollar if it continues losing value. That's why we have seen cryptocurrencies increase significantly in value over the last year. People will throw their money into real estate, into gold, into silver. Smart people will find a way out of the U.S. dollar, and it is the poor and the working class who are going to suffer the most for this fiscal uh, irresponsibility that we're seeing from the top down. It's going to destroy this country if it doesn't stop soon, and we may not be the world's reserve currency anymore if we have a real financial crisis in this country, which I fear that's coming. All right, Kristen, we appreciate your point of view. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been delivering on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. Heroes who put their lives on the line to protect our country and our communities. Heroes like Bristol, Connecticut Police Sergeant Dustin DeMonte. After responding to a domestic violence incident, he sustained fatal gunshot wounds. He left behind his expectant wife and two children. Thanks to the generosity of people like you, Tunnel to Towers paid the mortgage on the DeMonte family home, lifting a financial burden. As his loved ones mourned the decorated officer's loss, they welcomed a miracle, the child he would never get to meet. So many families need your help. Please help America's heroes and their young families. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. 95 cents out of every dollar you donate goes to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Now, Donald Trump's been keeping a rather low profile. I talked to him last week. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about that maybe tomorrow or Thursday, about our conversation. Um, it's primarily we're ramping up for the big tour that will be in December. Um, but, you know, but he's, he's watching now. Donald Trump is basically watching uh, what is happening in the country. And obviously, he's taking notes. And obviously, there's a comparison between what's happening now and what's happened under his watch. So let's bring in a person who knows uh, President Trump very well, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who's a former Fox News correspondent. She was on a factor all the time. And she is now joining us from Palm Beach, Ma-a-Lago, a very swell place where very powerful and rich people mingle with Miss Guilfoyle on a daily basis. Is, it, is that about accurate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're describing the swells. Uh, a lot of people here, a lot of people down in Florida, you know, people have definitely come down to the state, whether it's California or New York or Pennsylvania or Connecticut, 
because they like the way this place runs and uh, the way the governor has done business. So you moved down there. What do you do? I mean, do you have a job? Yes, I'm the national chair for the president for the Super PAC for MAGA Action. So I'm on the road with the president. We have seven events coming up. We have an, a rally in Ohio coming this weekend and then events in uh, Dallas, Texas, Arizona, in Las Vegas, Nevada, all of the above. So it's actually it's a quite a busy schedule because, as you know, and you know the president well, he's got um, boundless energy. He's uh, quite efficient and he loves to work and he loves to meet people and get out there with the folks. So that's what we're continuing to do. But specifically as it relates to his America first agenda, which, you know, stands in stark contrast to, you know, your monologue, what you mentioned about what President Biden and Kamala Harris are doing. All right, let me stop you. Oh, you're back. Okay, we had a little technical problem and but you're back and I'm and that's good. So your job basically is use a super PAC political action committee. You raise money. Uh, you spread the word of Donald Trump around the country. You organize events where he can be seen. Is that about it? Um, and we also support candidates that support the President's America First agenda. So we're very competitive as it relates to the House races, the United States Senate. I also serve as national chair for Eric Ryan, who's the former governor of Missouri and is now seeking the U.S. Senate seat there. So those are the candidates that I want to continue to work with because Donald Trump may not be in the White House right now, but nevertheless, all these issues are still, you know, taking hold of the country. And we don't want to wait and see that, uh, you know, President Biden squanders all the achievements that we worked so hard for for the past okay. four years. I got it. I got it. All right. So you're now a full-time what they call politico compare that to when you were a full-time television pundit is this more fun a better job or was the tv gig better you know they're very different but one that was you know having a front row seat like you know um to american political history and now it's actually being on the other side of the lens so to speak and getting out there meeting with all the folks across the country when i campaigned with donald trump jr for three years, we went to every single state, you know, in this country and met with people and talked to them about the issues that were most important to them and tried to support you know, for the president and for his agenda as it relates to national security, foreign policy, immigration. All right, so you like, you like what you're doing now better? You feel it's more worthwhile? Would that be accurate? Know, I I think the job that we, you know, do, that you continue to do and that I did on television is important, connecting with people and actually getting the truth, getting the news out there and the facts. Because I think more than ever, it is so clouded and so um, biased what you see out there now that average folks are not able actually to get the truth about what's going on. And I think that's an incredibly important job to shine a bright light on it and actually have you know, full transparency and report exactly what's going on. All right. So now, they're both okay. telling job. I think did, it's been more fun being out in the field. Did social media, has they, have they banned you? I know they banned the president, but are you banned from social media or can you get your message out? No, I am not banned. And so far, Donald Trump Jr. is not banned um, from social media. Okay. So, so, so you far, guys can say what you want. And that, I'm sure, <laughs> is, is a positive for the Trump movement. Final question. I get the feeling when I speak to the president that he wants to run again very much. I don't know whether mm -hmm. that's going to be realistic or not, depending on how things unfold in the country. But he, he really would like to be president again. Is that your feeling? 
You know, we talk about that quite often. Uh, Don Jr. and I do, you know, what we think might happen. He hasn't disclosed or probably made a decision one way or the other. As you mentioned earlier in the program, I think he is watching and waiting to see what happens while still maintaining an active role um, in this movement and getting out there with the folks like you see with the rallies. But I'll tell you something, he has incredible energy. It looks very good right now. He's not burned out at all. He's fired up and ready to go. And I think he's very motivated because he sees what's happening in this country, like the lawlessness in Chicago, the horrible things that happened to, you know, the Puerto Rican couple that was gunned down at the Puerto Rican parade. This is just, you know, one example of what's happening across this country. And I think that if given the chance and he feels like the opportunity is there, that he will 100% run for president in 2024. All right. Uh, that's my feeling, too, based on my conversations with him. Final question. Somebody, one of your friends told me that the highlight of your life was appearing on the O'Reilly Factor. And, I, you know, is, is that true? That was the highlight of my life. And now it's appearing on, you know, no, no spin. So, <laughs> by the way, so it the, was. So it was. But now, no now it's kind of declined in, in. I got it. All right, Kimberly, we wish you the best. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, we know there's a lot of rich people you have to talk to today. And thank you for talking to me, your humble correspondent. All right. Well, and we'll see you soon. You. Anytime you have anything that you want to say, you come right in here. Okay. Um, absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Keep up the okay. good work. Bye. You may remember that we uh, put a guy in the air, Richard Salazar, out of uh, Las Vegas, I believe, who has started a speechmovement.org, speechmovement.org, and it basically fights cancel culture. Now, Richard's run into a lot of headwinds. He says he's got about 12,000 members, but he can't get any media. He was on this program. We talked to him, of course, because we believe in freedom, <laughs> you know, unlike the corporate media, which doesn't. So Richard can't get booked on any place else because they're scared if they book Richard then uh, Facebook will hurt them or something will happen. I don't even know. I can't get involved with it. So I can't run a Richard's organization, speechmovement.org. I can say I think it's a good thing as long as they're rational and present what they'd like to do in a very clear way. And I hope Richard overcomes the resistance from the media and gets it out to the folks. Now, there is another organization that advertises on BillOReilly.com. And you may have heard about it. Um, it's Parents Defending Education. Parents Defending Education. DefendingEd.org. DefendingEd, one word, .org. And joining us now is the uh, leader of that group, uh, Nicole Neely, and she's coming up from Arlington, Virginia. So, Nicole, um, first of all, what is the goal of your group? Sure. So over the past year during lockdown, so many parents were so disenfranchised and demoralized about their teach their schools not caring about them. They didn't want their schools open. And then suddenly when classrooms were in people's living rooms, parents were horrified about what their children were actually learning, what their assignments were, their lectures. And so parents started raising the alarm about this. And I think after George Floyd, a lot of this kicked into overdrive. We saw schools putting out statements flagellating themselves for being systemically racist. And a lot of schools took that as an opportunity to really shove diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives down families' throats, um, often with the, under the cover of darkness or without a lot of buy-in from the community. And people are really justifiably upset. And so what we wanted to do with Parents Defending Education was to let parents know first, 
what are your rights? You have different rights when you're at a private at a private school versus a public school. But when you know what your rights are, then you know when the lines have been crossed. Beyond that, we want to tell people you're not alone. Um, there are people around the country who have picked up their pitchforks and their torches and have said, how dare you do this to my child with my tax dollars? Um, there are hundreds of parent groups across the country that have sprung up just in the past year specifically to deal with political indoctrination. And then finally, we want to give people tools to get engaged. As Dick Armey used to say, politics goes to he who shows up. We have to get off Facebook and get off Twitter and get into those school board meetings, run for office, get run for the PTA, send letters to the editor, file lawsuits, file Freedom of Information Act requests because local media has absolutely fallen down to the job of holding our schools accountable. But we have to take back our schools. Okay. So you have two urchins, right? Six and seven years old. They're just getting into the public school. You have them in public school? Uh, one of them is in private school, and we're actually homeschooling the other one this year. But okay. we're keeping an eye on the schools near us. All right. So you obviously are going to have another 10, 15 years of these kids going through a system that is under siege from the far left. Um, we don't see this on the far right. Do you see anything on the far right that's intruding on your kids' ability to get a fair education? Do you see any anything there? I have not seen anything coming from the right, but I definitely we're seeing attacks from all over. And okay. this is coordinated and it's been laid for many, many years. Yeah, no, there's no doubt what's happening. It's indoctrination and it's it's actually worked at the university level. We'll get we have another story on that in a moment. That's just amazing. So it's defendinged.org and, and you basically are setting yourself up as a central organization for people who are disenchanted with their local school system, and you're going to direct them in how to combat this. Do I have that correct? Yes, we want to give people the tools and the encouragement to okay, get involved. Good. Now, just to the west of you in Loudoun County, Virginia, there's a big, big controversy about critical race theory, which is essentially white people are bad. I mean, if you really want to strip away all the BS, that's what it is. And there's a war there. Uh, between traditional parents and, and left-wing progressive parents. Are you following that, and what's your assessment of it? We are following it very closely. It's absolutely fascinating to watch just the progression of how this has infiltrated their school, and then to watch the school board gaslight parents say with a straight face, we're not teaching critical race theory, when there are actual copies of contracts that have been achieved or that have been um, obtained through public records requests showing critical race theory training going on. And so the fact that parents have started to rise up and push back is now being painted as a right-wing AstroTurf campaign. Oh, of course. Now, has better. the Washington Post reported on your group or done anything on you? Of course they have. And of course, we're very, very evil because we care about our children. Did they actually, did they actually call you evil, the Washington Post? Did they have to go after you? actually go after Not you? Yet. No, we have had um, the Boston Globe, the Columbus Post-Dispatch, kind of all the traditional papers. And so, you know, it just shows they're not out there pounding the pavement, doing the reporting. We filed a Freedom Information Act request in Wellesley, Massachusetts, um, and we found out that they have been filing, uh, they've been separating students on the basis of race. They have affinity groups where white children are not allowed to attend. Ah, the well, Wellesley, one of the most progressive, far, yeah, Wellesley, one of the most progressive far-left school districts in the country. All right, so um, this is the key to keeping American tradition intact. The folks, not me, not Biden, not Trump, not, not any politician. When the folks rise up, and this is so wrong, what's happening, and I think everybody, any fair-minded person knows how wrong it is. 
So I applaud you. We're glad to be in business with you on BillOReilly.com. I want you to keep me posted on any egregious school districts, school districts like you just pointed out in Wellesley, which are lying to the folks and then doing stuff behind the scenes that people might not know about. So if you do that, we'll have you on as much as we can, uh, because I do believe that in your cause, and I think this is the only way we're going to keep America sane. So thank you, Nicole. We appreciate you coming on today. Okay. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. All right, let's go to the progressive follies, as I call them. So when I was in uh, Wyoming, a story happened in San Francisco that was pretty unbelievable. Uh, we show you the tape here, and I'm sure you saw it. A guy went into a Walgreens and basically started stealing stuff in front of everybody, a security guard, uh, and he just took his little bicycle and zipped out with a whole black bag full of stuff. He stole it. All right? Nobody stopped him, uh, any of that. So eventually when this went what they call viral, that means everybody saw it, the cops in San Francisco had to do something. They didn't want to, but they did arrest him. The guy's name is Gene Lugo Romero, 40 years old, and he's got a rap sheet all over the place. All right. And he's accused of shoplifting incidents um, for 19 consecutive days. This guy rode his bike and stole stuff from every store. So they're holding him. It's shocking. $25,000 bail. So in the CBS Morning News, uh, after the story broke, a guy named Tony Dacapol, he's one of the co-hosts, all right, far left guy. I mean, it's shocking that he would actually be there without a counterpoint. OK, now, I don't mind putting Tony Dacapol on, but you know, you got to know these friends left. You got to put some balance there. No, here's what Tony said. Go. That reads also as an act of desperation. I mean, you're, yeah. you're not getting yeah. rich off of what you take from a Walgreens. You're getting probably something you need. Uh, I don't know the details of that particular well, he, case. I mean, a bag full. It looked, they look like hair products. I yeah, that's what it says. It was hair, hair products. Which are valuable. Which are valuable. You're getting something you need. So just, I, I just wanted you to think about this. So Duckapole, a, a national broadcaster on CBS, says, I, you know, you're not getting rich off this. And you're probably getting something you need. So it's okay. It's all right. What's the big deal? 
go ahead, ride your bike into any store you want with a big black bag and just fill up and ride out. What are we making a big deal out of it for? This is what CBS is putting out. It's just unbelievable. Think about it. Portland, Oregon. So, as you know, I work there, and I, I, I really like the place. It's ruined. They know it's ruined. So they're taking full-page ads out in newspapers across the country. Throw it on up. The newspapers are saying, hey, you got to come to Portland, Oregon. Quote, this is the kind of place where new ideas are welcome, where they're creative, cutting edge, or curious at first glance. You can speak up here. You can be yourself here. So if you're an anarchist, you can bring your Molotov cocktail here. We want you. Boom. You can burn down our buildings. You can loot our stores. We're Portland. Yay. This is the ad. They're taking out. You can be yourself. Ah. I mean, I feel like I'm on Saturday Night Live here. I, you know, I'm mocking this, but this is all true. Here's another one. Don Lemon. All right. So Don Lemon is on CNN. There he is. And I kind of like Don Lemon. Now, I don't listen to him because he's not really bringing it, if, as they say in sports. All right. But as a person, I've run into him a couple of times. All right. So Don Lemon is, is a big America's a racist country guy. That's what he does. All right. I'll give you a quote. Um, He said, there's this false reality that we're living in a post-racial world after the election of Barack Obama. That's all BS. It's a wake-up call of white people who thought we were living in a non-racist world. We're living in two realities, black versus white. We knew as black people what was lurking beneath the surface. I still believe that Trump was a necessary wake-up for America to realize just how racist this country is. So where is a racist country? So the guys at Fox News, they come up with the fact that Don Lemon lives in Sag Harbor, Sag Harbor, Long Island, which is 95 percent white. There's no black people in Sag Harbor except Don. Maybe there's three others. So they're hammering Don on Fox News uh, because he's saying all the we're racist, racist, racist. And then he runs in and lives in a white community. I wouldn't do that. Because Don Lemon has a right to live wherever he wants to live, even if he holds views that I find insane. And if you're going to live on Eastern Long Island, they're all white communities. There are no black communities on Eastern Long Island. It's like Wyoming. There are no black communities in Wyoming because the migratory pattern for African-Americans did not go to those places. It's simple. It's history. It doesn't have anything to do with bigotry. It doesn't have to do anything with systemic racism. It was a migratory situation. And Lemon wants to live out on Long Island because it's beautiful there. I don't have a beef with that. But they're just pounding him. Now, here's a guy I have a beef with. You know who Sheldon Whitehouse is? Sheldon Whitehouse. Do you know anybody named Sheldon except for the dopey kid on TV? There's Sheldon. He's a senator from Rhode Island, a state that I love, Rhode Island. All right, so Sheldon is an aristocrat. Sheldon is a rich guy. In Levittown, where I grew up, nobody was named Sheldon Whitehouse. He was named after. So, 
Sheldon is as radical left as you get. I'm going to give you one uh, tweet that Sheldon put out. Quote, the president, Trump, is on a mission to divide us, but we must not turn away from one another. There is still a long way to go toward full equality and the end of racism in America. Peaceful progress is the only path to getting there. It's a long way, according to Sheldon Whitehouse, the senator from Long Island, from Rhode Island, to end racism in America. A long way. Hmm. Wow. Did you know that Sheldon Whitehouse has been a member of an all-white Rhode Island beach club for maybe 30 years? All white. Blacks cannot go to this beach club. Can't be part of it. So a reporter found that out. Roll the tape. You had remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, your thoughts on an elite, all white, wealthy club again in this day and age? Um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. And uh, I think we just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. Yeah, so let's work our way through. I've only been there 30 years, and still no black people can go because it's a long tradition that no black people are allowed at the beach club. But I, Sheldon Whitehouse, the big progressive liberal who calls my country racist, I can stay in a beach club for 30 years that denies blacks membership. I can do that while we work through the issue. Maybe 30 years is a long enough time to work through that issue. Right, Sheldon? You big phony. You hypocrite. Oh, I mean, it is just outrageous. You give me enough time. All of these people including Ocasio-Cortez, I can come up with this stuff. Nobody's perfect, but 30 years, Sheldon? 30 years, still working through it? Okay. Okay, so now, um, if you can't get fast service anywhere, it's because of COVID. If you can't get anything done in your house, I want to build some stuff. Uh, no, we can't get the parts. We can't get this. Um, I don't have that. Um, I, I had to wait. I went to my local deli today, just get a sandwich, no cashier. Where's the cashier? Got to wait, a big line. Well, we don't know where she went. It's COVID, 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 everybody's afraid. COVID, COVID this, COVID that. There's some truth to it. The, all the factories, they shut down and they're just ramping up now and it's slower, okay. But it's such a perfect excuse. I can't do it, it's COVID. You know, I, I yeah, everywhere I go, it's COVID. I got bad grades because of COVID. I, you know, I couldn't pass that test because of COVID. COVID did. I was frightened. I, I, I got vaccinated. My toes fell off. COVID, COVID, COVID. The COVID excuse. I think the statute of limitation runs out by September. We're going to have to deal with it this summer. Thanks for watching us. We'll see you tomorrow.